I actually had planned you know, to speak a little bit about, uh, amongst other things, to speak about the question Raki had, Raki had before in the Q&A session about strong emotions, what you were saying, um, you know, and really consciously giving up these habitual escape routes we, we have and, uh, you know, and allowing those emotions to open us up because it's not like an endless suffering, you know, to be with these emotions. There is actually something happening if we are really willing, you know, to be with the raw experience of the emotions, things to actually uh, <coughs> transform. And the energy which is caught up in those emotions is slowly but surely freed up from, that, from those painful patterns. And then they get slowly they lighten up slowly but surely. And in that process, not only you know, do we have more space in the mind and in the heart and less suffering, but also we are learning from that a lot. You know, if we have managed for a few times, you know, to stay conscious with such a difficult experience, we usually always go unconscious. If we manage to pull through it and come out the other end, this is like a huge uh, aha moment and also that gives us a lot of faith and confidence that we can do that again and then we get less and less afraid and then you know I can certainly notice I'm practicing now about 30 years you know how different it is now if something you know let us carry happens or so before I would just like go to speak with a million people about it and uh distract myself and and you know need a lot of reassurance whereas now being you know to practicing long though you know I would just go and sit down and just you know make a u-turn and look what is it what I'm afraid of what actually can happen what's the worst thing which can happen here you know and then yeah and then I feel it's a sense of empowerment you know if we can do that it doesn't mean that there is no more difficulties, but we are slowly but surely we are developing a different approach to be with our difficulties. And that approach has several benefits. One is that, you know, the energetic turmoil is really changing and transforming. And, and number two is we learn from it and we get more and more confident that it is something we can do. So... And, you know, if I wouldn't have done it with all of those feelings of inadequacy and doubt and all of that, if I wouldn't have, uh, you know, met that again and again and again and again, I wouldn't now know what I do know because that is something one cannot, nobody else can give you that confidence. But what we can do is we can uh, cheer people on. We can say, do it. We also did it, and and truly, it's it sometimes is very uh, um, what's the word here? Um, you know, it, it it doesn't feel like this can be right to do this, but it is. You know, counterintuitive. I think sometimes it feels counterintuitive to go there. You know, to that place, but it is exactly that. You know to allow those feelings and emotions to open us up from old ways of relating 
to, the, to those and from old ways of thinking about them and, and expecting certain things to happen, which it can be completely different. So that is something I am totally confident because I've experienced it often enough now that I totally trust that. And, uh, and I think, you know, that's why meditation is, if we can say, you know, meditation can, we can look at meditation in two ways, like about we need to gain some wisdom, we need to gain some compassion, we need to gain some insight, or we can look at it more like we need to let go of old patterns of relating to experience, of old patterns of expectation, and all of that. And then I would suggest the second way is much more realistic, because it really is about much more about letting go than about getting anything. It's about letting go and about laying open and laying, you know, freeing up the true nature of our mind, which is already peaceful, which is already um, mirror-like, which is already clear. But it, it has so many layers of conditioning on top of it. And to work away at that, you know, in a, in a, with, with some humor and, and the sense of uh, urgency at the same time and in the sense of faith and confidence that this is possible. <laughs> it's a very paradoxical set of uh, qualities, you know, we need to bring together. And that's why everyone has to find their own approach. But we can suggest, we can yeah, so we can introduce the toolkit. But then, you know, according to your own situation, you pick up a tool which fits right now for your issue. And uh, I'd like to start uh, this afternoon with a poem by Nanduta Rabikuni, which speaks about that. Uh, letting go, which is uh, the fruit of the practice, really. Because letting go is not something, you know, we can willfully produce, but letting go is a result of insight. Nandutara, greatest joy. I spent most of my teenage years running from one bed to another. Any sign of warmth would do. Each worked for a while until they got possessive or mean or boring or I did. Then I got new friends, shaved my head and started eating once a day. During the long lonely nights that followed, <clears throat> I would remember all the nice warm bath, all the late nights and long mornings, waking up next to beautiful warm bodies. One night, shivering on the ground, I started to cry. It's not fair, no matter what I do, the other thing looks always better. Listen, my heart, I know how exhausting it all gets. Don't give up until you are ready to give up for real. So, you know, don't um, just distract yourself before you really have seen what's happening here. And then that letting go is the fruit of that clear seeing. And uh, it can get rather exhausting at times indeed. 
but the ego sometimes it has to just be exhausted you know like if you have a very kind of um energetic dog you have to just kind of chase him or her around endlessly until they are really tired and they and they sit down or lie down and sometimes that's what you have to do with the heart just let it run around like comes you know like aimlessly and uh, wildly and just watch it it's gonna lie down at one point and and knowing you know when what's the the right thing to do sometimes we have to just let it run around like crazy and sometimes we have to gently you know settle it down there's different times are for different things and i think we can all trust that we have this intuitive uh, knowing if we are really making this u-turn you know rather than looking everywhere outside for help or for for some reason why it is like it is and just turning here looking here And uh, so it's not about willfully changing anything, but but paying really, really close attention to what's happening and uh, working on our capacity to be affected. You know, uh, putting away those layers, opening up those layers of uh, defense, which we usually bring to experience defense either in the sense of not wanting or in the sense of of holding or sometimes not knowing like just spinning this is the three ways the ignorant mind if it's you know caught up in patterns meets experience and uh, you know if we are practicing then our mind gets increasingly uh, sensitized and then it can to through the sensitivity it can see more clearly and the clear seeing then results in the mind will adapt to the way things truly are because that's an innate quality of the mind the mind wants to evolve the mind wants to expand we just need to show it the way and you know the Buddhist teaching is a very practical set of instructions about how that can be done. You know, putting causes and conditions in place that these laws of nature can just do their work. It's not something we need to push. And uh, you know, then get we, our range of experience will get deeper and wider, slowly but surely, more and more encompassing. And then we see more and more the conditionality and the inter dependence of everything and the interconnectedness it becomes clearer and clearer we are not like a separate entity in a hostile universe but we are just part of a vast process and that seeing of the vastness and the depths of all of this becomes more and more available if the mind is more sensitized and more spacious and i love in particular a sutta in uh, you know in a canon which speaks about the lump of salt where if you have a lump of salt and you put it in a cup of water of that size the water will be rather terrible to drink but if you take <coughs> take a lump of salt and you put it in a huge container of water then you know it might 
just be a little bit salty or you, you can't taste it at all. So it's not that you have to change the lump of salt, the size of that, but you just change the container in which it drops. And the same, you know, we don't have to run around and change the work because we can't, we can change some things, but a lot of things we can't change because they are just laws of nature. But to just find a way to live and to adapt and by widening the container of the heart and the container of the mind so that phenomena when they move through they don't have such a huge repercussions you know because there's a lot of space there acceptance and a sense of allowing not a not a not a battle against everything and uh, and then, you know, we can allow life to speak for itself and, and we can show, you know, and we can see that all phenomena yield liberation as their essence, as it says in the teaching, because all phenomena display the three characteristics of existence. They are all impermanent, they are all unsatisfactory, unreliable, and they are all empty of a self. And then if we, you know, allow that natural truth to inform us then the mind will respond with letting go because the mind is not stupid you know the nature true nature of the mind is a vast bright intelligence and if it sees deeply what is really going on it just says okay and and that's you know, I feel what we need to support in the meditation, that clear seeing. You know, like, maybe like it's a bit of a stupid example, but if you have a naughty dog, you know, he's constantly doing naughty things. Sometimes he might just take his head and say, do you see what you did? And then maybe, you know, next time he, he might not do that anymore. And it's the same is with the mind, to, to really turn the mind towards what's really happening. And if the mind really sees that clearly, it will respond with change. It will change the way how it is meeting experience. And I can certainly see that in my own practice by looking back over the years, how different my mind now meet certain things which have been like a big deal maybe even three years ago and now I surprise myself sometimes you know by seeing oh that's not anymore such a big hook doesn't have such a big hook even you know nothing has changed in the phenomenon but how the mind is meeting it it, it just does has not anymore this velcro effect for some reason that has worn itself out. And community life is, is a lot about that wearing down, you know, all of those rough edges. So Ayananda Bodhi and I, we live, we know each other since 30 years, we can really tell about that, you know, how unpleasant it can be sometimes, but how effective it is. This kind of, you know, rubbing against. If one has enough, uh, um, you know, trust in the in the process that this is actually that's the way it works. You know, you can't just do it uh, in the la in the laboratory. 
you know, in a very hygienic circumstances where there is no mess or something. It is, it can be pretty messy at times, you know. And and sometimes, you know, people think, oh, if it's messy, there's something wrong. No, it's just part of the practice. It is messy because life is messy and samsara is messy and it's a mess and it's okay. I mean, look at what's going on right now. I think we all develop more capacity to tolerate mess-iness because this is how change occurs. You know, it comes out of chaos. First things need to go into chaos and then they rearrange themselves out of that chaos and then that persists for a while and then it go into chaos again and on and on it goes and I'm sure you've seen it in your own lives, you know. And to just don't anymore think that there's something wrong because I did something wrong or he did something wrong or anyone did something wrong. It's just loss of nature. And also now, you know, in the fall, we can see the leaves all dropping down. It looks rather messy, you know, all of the leaves on the ground and rotting into the ground. But at the same time, they provide compost for the roots of the tree. And then the tree is going to conserve energy over the cold time. And when the snow comes, it's you're not going to be weighed down with the snow so much because there's no leaves who can keep the snow and in the spring, you know, when the pollination happens, the trees will be bare and the pollination can happen much easily. And there's lots of good things happening and sometimes they look uh, very messy. And this just nature is, is uh, you know, has its own style and it doesn't care about our preferences, but we can, uh, you know, get to know that and maybe, you know, question some of our views and uh, ideally, you know, let go of some of our views and, and just um, move with that stream of um, exp expansion, really, which can only happen through letting go of old ways of thinking about things and speaking about things and going about things. And that's what's called, you know, to actualize, to really respond to what we know intuitively to be true. And for that, we do need a, an amount of faith, a sada, to fully respond to wisdom, you know, to fully respond to what we see in the meditation, for example, to then really enact that in our lives. If we have had that glimpse of uh, impermanence, to then really live accordingly, that's something which is important because the, the confidence in the wisdom, you know, we have already um, cultivated gets stronger if we really live that way. And take a risk, you know, because wisdom is, is not a body of knowledge, which you just, you know, learn from the books and then, you know, the page numbers and the chapters and all of that stuff. But it's more like it's an action. It's a recognition of significance and a recognition of, of truth. 
and then living from that place. And I think that's what uh, Nantutara means, you know, don't give up until you are ready to give up for real, which means, you know, don't stop looking at this until you are ready to live from that place of truth. And then every time we do that, you know, a new space opens up in our life, something new opens up. Sometimes a small thing and sometimes the really big things, you know, where for years, you know, you or me, you know, I'm, I'm banging against a certain door. Why doesn't it open? Why doesn't it open? And then I let go and I just, okay, I just keep on. And then suddenly, bang, it's open. And then, then you know, one, one leaves in that bigger space and then that gets tight again and then there's another door. And this is how this expansion happens, you know. And it's a a very powerful process. And uh, so, you know, this is the realization is seeing and then actualization is really living from that place. And they, they work together. Because if you really live from that place, then our, you know, our strength and our spiritual faculties will become more um, unshakable and and then through that there's even a greater expansion of seeing and, and the widening and the deepening and and on and on it goes in that way you know until all of the walls in the mind are just kind of coming down and there's nothing no more limitations in the way of how we see what is happening because there's no more relating everything back to how I want it or how I don't want it. It's just what it is. And there's a beautiful poem by um, Abhirupananda Bhikkhuni. Delighting in beauty. Haven't you spent enough time comparing your hair and your clothes and your face to the hair and the faces and the clothes of those around you? See the body for what it is. Real beauty is in the clear open light of the non-judgmental heart. Real beauty is in the clear open light of the non-judgmental heart. You know, that heart or that mind which can really see things for what they are and not attaching a judgment to it in terms of it's a good thing or it's a bad thing. It's just what it is. And uh, so, you know, wisdom sees the truth and Vopanya uh, or is, is wisdom and sada or, or confidence or faith allows that, that truth, you know, to change our being, to expand our hearts and minds. And, uh, you know, if, because if we really want to rise up, you know, rise up to a, 
greater way of seeing things and uh, relating to things, we have to let go of luggage, you know, and that luggage is all of these old patterns which we are carrying around. You know, if you're going with a balloon, if you want to go really high up, you just throw down those bags of sand and you go higher and higher. And, uh, you know, so it's not necessarily going higher and higher, you could also say going deeper and deeper or wider and wider. So it's not meant higher in terms of judgment, you know, that this is a good thing, but it's just more expansive, more all-encompassing and less uh, always relating back to me and mine. And uh, yeah, it, it's a process and it takes time and it goes in small steps. But it's certainly, you know, what all of those bikunis we have been sharing our poems with you today, they have all uh, had enough faith, you know, to just keep on going. And some of them, as Ayanana Bodhi was saying, practiced for many, many years and nothing happened. It looked like at least. But inside, you know, there was a lot happening. And then you never know when there's the moment when it, um, when there's a response. So I'd like to sh uh, end my sharing today with a last poem by Gutta Bikuni. Gutta Guardian. Going forth is no game. We leave whole lives behind, not just people and possessions. <clears throat> all your wants, all your fears, all the little rituals that get you through the day and tuck you in at night. Only see that all these pretty wooden pieces aren't you and don't belong to you. They belong to the game. I know it's comforting to count up all the squares, run your fingers along the edge of the board and plan out all your moves ahead of time. The world beyond the table only seems dark, like empty space. It's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be afraid. And I think that sentence, you know, for me holds so much about how to um, approach the practice. It's, it's really not about, you know, beating ourselves into shape or anything like that, but it's more like really embracing and allowing things to be as they are. And this allowing and this clear, you know, seeing and witnessing will be the container for, for the change to happen. Because if the mind really sees something clearly, it does respond with, it will adapt to the way things are.
and the, the, the teaching of the Buddha and the meditation. And I think, you know, all spiritual teachings, they are different instructions how this clear seeing can be supported. And then the mind will respond and the heart. And uh, the Bikunis have, uh, you know, shared with us their personal, you know, very straightforward accounts of how that happened for them. And because they were all different characters, they had all different inroads into this um, process, depending on so many causes and conditions. So I think that's what I'd like to share today. And Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.